This is a podcast from Rep Sounds, from Dundee Rep and Scottish Dance Theatre. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Rep Sounds, our podcast series from Dundee Rep and Scottish Dance Theatre. My name is Joan Clevillier and I'm the Artistic Director of Scottish Dance Theatre. And today I am working to performer, dancer, actress, Selene Weinachter. Hello, Selene. Hello, Joan. Uh, Selene, you're an associate artist with Scottish Dance Theatre. And um, you are performing in Antigone Interrupted, uh, which we are going to be talking about today. Um, Antigone Interrupted is a solo performance that we created uh, in 2020. We premiered in 2020. Um, it was a commission from the Rural Touring Dance Initiative. And um, it's a dance theatre performance. And in it, we see uh, Selene both dancing and acting. Um, and we took the Greek tragedy of Antigone as a point of departure. Uh, and I suppose the, um, the piece is a sort of retelling a contemporary retelling of the tragedy of Antigone. Um, but I suppose what's special about it is that it, everything is done through through you, through the body and the voice of just one performer. And we're going to talk a lot um, about that, also about um, you know the process, how we created the piece and the ideas behind it. Um, but I suppose the question that uh, everybody sort of asks when, when we perform is, why Antigone? Why did we choose um, this Greek tragedy? And also, why a solo? Why perform it as a as a solo performance? And um, always, when 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 I try to explain, I, I I sort of have to go back to our collaboration, I suppose, and how we met and the time that we've been working together, which is already um, two thousand and nine. You arrived in Dundee. So that's 13 years ago. And exactly, yeah, I joined Scottish Dance Theatre as a dancer and you were already a, a member of the company. Um, and that's how it all started. What, yeah, uh, out of curiosity, what's your first memory of me? Where, how, how did it all start? Mm, I don't know if it's where it started, but my first memory of you uh, is you stretching and doing gyrokinesis. And one day after work, you were stretching again and I was like I really like this new guy and I was just like pretending to stretch next to you to kind of try to find <laughs> some conversation subjects to talk about makes me sound like I'm a very bendy dancer <laughs> which I'm totally not I remember seeing you actually um in London when I was auditioning for Scottish Dance Theatre and you were already a member of the company and you were performing in Janet Smith's work I heard somebody calling. Oh, yes. Good? It was that on Ina uh, Christelle Janssen's season, a visitation. Yes. And, yeah, I remember seeing you seeing you perform. And, and funnily enough, you uh, you were speaking. In, yes, in Janet's, I was the in Janet's only piece. character speaking. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and so we, we started working together as, as colleagues in, in the company. And then I suppose um, got to know each other, got to dance a lot together. And you can't see, but um, John and I, were both tall, so we got paired together quite a lot. Yes. <laughs> and and then when you left the company in 2012, am I right? Yes. And myself in 2013, and but we met, uh, we met again. Straight away in the summer 2013. We, so that's, yeah, nine years ago, we were performing It Needs Horses for Ben Duke at the Fringe. 
And, and I think that that was such a, um, we had worked with Ben Duke here at Scottish Dance Theatre. And, and I think that's where I kind of realized that I, I really enjoyed dance theatre. Acting is something that I had done maybe as a teenager, but um, I had sort of forgotten. And, and I enjoyed that so much. And working with Ben definitely was uh, a huge influence for me in terms of my own practice and language. When we were making Plan Before Utopia, which is the first piece you've made as an independent choreographer, we kept on quoting him yeah, as daddy. <laughs> just, just try and be Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's exactly right. We made Plan Before Utopia in 2015 and then the North in 2017. And um, uh, those were a duet and a trio. And, um, and I suppose in uh, 2018, 2019, I... I really wanted to to explore the the format of a solo work, um, and and I thought it was crazy that a performer so versatile like you um, hadn't done like a full length solo. So I remember asking you while well, we were at the Fringe actually performing. Is that right? Oh yeah, we were in the Chinese restaurant <laughs> having a takeaway, and you're like, I've written an application. You don't have to say yes. I can take it out, but it's about Antigone and. It's a solo. I was like, do you want to do it? That jumped. I jumped off the And here table. we are. So I suppose, you know, why Antigone? Um, I think Antigone is a, a Greek tragedy that um, I was familiar with as a, as a sort of one of the foundational um, stories of, of Western culture. Um, but it sort of took a very, um, I suppose, personal significance uh, around 2017 um, when I was sort of like thinking about about making a new work um, and that was sort of connected to um, the independence referendum in Catalonia. Um, I come from Barcelona and uh, I was here living in Scotland and uh, when the referendum happened there was this uh, really very violent repression from from the Spanish government, from the state, uh, you know, we, we saw really like terrible scenes with police um, uh, sort of repressing uh, their own citizens, the people that they're supposed to protect. And, and that was very difficult to process. And um, I suppose I was trying to understand what what is the role of disobedience in democracy. And, and of course, we we have a state that has rules and laws and they they structure the way we live and they protect us but at the same time uh, here they were they, they were getting on the way and the state was sort of uh, in a way using the laws to sort of repress um, people's uh, people's wills or people's um, uh, desires and and so I, I started thinking about um, Antigone as a potentially a, a filter um, that could allow me to to talk about or to think through um, these ideas um, without necessarily making a piece of, about that, because that's that can it's obviously possible, but can be quite quite tricky. And and in a way, Antigone became this this sort of uh, interface and vehicle between myself and those questions um, that I had around that situation, and more generally around resistance, uh, disobedience, and how do we make sense of all of that in a in, in a contemporary democracy did you think about antigone before of you felt those questions or did you felt that and then you were like oh, antigone would be such a good text to work with i i think 
I think they were separate ideas and I think that I had thought about Antigone before but you know when you don't necessarily connect things they're just in different compartments mm-hmm. of your mind and then at some point you just go like oh, oh connect yeah um mm-hmm. and and that I suppose went together with the desire to yeah work with you on a solo project and and a little bit of like obviously we are friends and we 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 had spent time together and I knew that there was uh, that Antigone had a personal significance for mm-hmm. for you and uh, and I wondered yeah if you could tell us a little bit about that like what sort of connections are between yourself and the, and the play yes it's it's a classic a play that um, has been in my life since I'm really young I've seen my sister play Antigone first uh, when I was like maybe year seven and I saw it a few times as I was growing up you know like school trips so I saw all kinds of versions from Sophocles and Brecht and Anoui. Anoui being my favorite version um, in Total Honesty. And so it's a story that um, I didn't necessarily understood when I saw it as a young person, but I felt maybe my, one of my first experience of feeling something in the theater and maybe the Maybe it's a big word, but the potential of a transformative experience in the mm. theater, you know, it's not necessarily an, in, it wasn't an intellectual one, but, you know, something happens and you can feel that. And maybe actually young, young um, people are quite sensitive to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, that, that's, that's what, and um, the play has been played by my, two of my sisters, my brother, my my stepdad and I was like oh, my, I would love to play Antigone one day <laughs> and do you think that sort of impact that as a as a teenager or as a young woman that the piece had on you um is there something about specifically you as a, as a young woman in relation to the play yes I one of the last no it's not one of the last time but it, when I was 18 I saw it again and um there's this scene where she really is so committed to what she believes is right and 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 at the time those values really resonated with me because they were about commitment and not bowing and saying yes to to anything less than what she wanted which in the play is burying her brother but for me it felt like this is the most important way to move through life with all the honesty and um yeah a truthfulness to herself and when mm. i saw that it was on tv actually i saw that version i remember like crying and crying and crying <laughs> and we're like whoa this is incredible and also looking a little bit around me and thinking what is it that i am conform yeah, that's the word i was looking for conforming to and um, what's the level of the, the comfort zone I am uh, in that I am not questioning because it's kind of, yes, comfortable, but isn't actually quite right. It doesn't align well with my heart. And that's the bit that really uh, shook me. There's so much uh, um, density, I think, in, in the play and that question when I hear you talk around um, values and what oneself sort of believes is right or um it feels really yeah feels really connected to to the core of the piece and and what drives antigone but in a way also creon that is the 
sort of, I suppose, uh, uh, antagonist to, to Antigone. Both kind of think they are right and they're doing the best yes. they, they can yes. or can they? Mm. But obviously, we, as we worked on the piece, you and mm. I, we really kind of dug those um, uh, problematic out in a more much more nuanced way. And yes, Antigone stand on the side of rebellion and resistance. And you know, French people are quite <laughs> into <laughs> protesting as a hobby on Saturday. No, I'm not a hobby, but it's kind of um, fine to be out there with your with your resistance and be uh, loud about what you think without it being a problem. I would say. And. Uh, Creon stand on the side of the law, so he's a lot less appealing character. Yeah. But as we have grown up, you and I, we probably were like, mm, maybe he's trying his best, you know. But yes, at the end of the day, they're both as stubborn as one another. So mm. the answer is in none, neither of those characters, or maybe in both of those characters at different times. But that's what led us work on the piece with this third kind of perspective, which is if it's not this one, no, nor Antigone or Creon, neither Antigone nor Creon, then how can we move forward together without killing each other? Like, how can mm. we get out of this alive? That's the, the question. Yeah, a lot of people, I think what you're saying um, resonates with the, the title of the piece because uh, uh, people also ask that question quite often. What's the, why interrupted and... Um, I, I think, first of all, it's a, it's a reference to, to a book, one of the books that we read while we were making the piece, Antigone Interrupted, by Bonnie Honig. Um, um, but also, um, there, is, there is even a point in the, in the performance where you almost stop or, or, or interrupt the sort of the thread of the story um, just to sort of explore for a moment that sort of possibility of... Um, um yeah does it have to end this way there is this sort of like weight of the of the greek tragedies and of fate and this idea that there's nothing that we that we can do about it and that that certainly resonates a lot with with me and and uh, living very i suppose uh complex times um and feeling sometimes um yeah o o overwhelmed and also with the feeling that perhaps there's well there's there's not much that that we can do or there's nothing that we can do and so feeling i think that you you know without uh, giving any spoilers i think that you really make us feel the potential for um something else uh the potential of an of another another future that is um maybe more more thinkable or more livable or that that can um offer an alternative and and that um that seems to be connected somehow with the idea of a, an open connection and an openness or, or a, the sense of offering a, a sense of vulnerability or um, putting yourself out there, maybe considering the possibility that the other person, either they might be, I don't know, right or, or, or even just the fact that they are, that they might be allowed to exist in a different way or think in a different way than the way that one thinks or or we think tell me about this text then mm. i was asking you what came first the text or the idea and then they were both going side by side it's kind of a massive piece well it's the first time you work with a 
with a pre-existed um, script, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, you've, you've devised both pieces before you've written them yourself with Ella Hickson. And you've mm -hmm. collaborated with Ella on this one too. But tell me more about this process of working with an existing... Yeah, play. yeah, that's right. It's the first time that I've worked with a, with a pre-existing play. And, um, you know, it's like... It's, again, there's such a density you realize through working in the studio, through the process, that um, it's a classic because of something. There's a very good reason. And, and that's, a, I suppose, the richness and the depth that all of these characters have and the situations that um, that they're confronted with. And um, it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it, I suppose it gave me um, parameters to... Um, to to work with and usually when when i start a creation a devised creation i will have done i research around the subject around an idea but not necessarily have a a very clear um idea or plan of how how the piece is going to manifest or the storyline or but in this case we we knew we knew what the story was and the question rather than asking myself what's the story the the question that ella uh, hickson dramaturg kept asking me and that we kept asking each other is why antigone and and how are you going to tell it so the the question becomes um yeah why should we just repeat that story why what's the what's the value of that there's been hundreds of versions of antigone done before why, why another one and particularly what can we do through the body and I, and i think that that was big part of the answer um approaching the text through the body and through dance and knowing that that's the place that we feel um home uh, yeah home exactly to work from mm. exactly and um And so there was a, a an interesting process of uh, um, understanding how these characters manifested sort of like physically. We did a lot of work uh, with different qualities of physicalities um, that you embody um, according to the different characters that you're playing, um, but also uh, voice work with Gene Sangster, um, who did the 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 work with with with, with voice and. Um, Uh, trying to find different places in the body for the voices of the characters to resonate. Um, and and then I suppose a lot of uh, work with Ella in terms of um, uh, understanding what, you know, what what uh, parts of the text do we choose? Because we, we are not, we can't uh, just play the entire tragedy. Um, we're using, there's a lot that your movement says, so obviously... Um, then you need to be very picky and careful about what extracts do you choose, what scenes are key, which is really fun because you you look at the tragedy and you try and strip it down to like what's what are the the really basic building blocks of the story, and where can you introduce uh, ambiguity? I suppose where can you um, introduce um, through movement, through the abstraction that movement brings space, space for uh, for subtleties, for different, um, for to see different aspects of a character or of a situation. So I I certainly enjoy very much when I when I see the work and I see you sort of uh, 
shifting gear between between those two languages of of dance and 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 actual words and and text and um and shift between the different worlds the world of of the actual play that you that you play but also um the world of the narrator which feels much closer to to yourself in a way or to or to a contemporary performer that is directly um talking to us yeah Mm. um and maybe on that on that note um for you i'm curious to hear how how does it feel to perform all of that that big range of characters and and that variety of uh, um of characters it's delightful oh yes this is an amazing i always want to tell you thank you because it's such a great piece of work to put my teeth in and there are so nuanced and also very distinct. So um, the, the other part I'm lucky is I'm getting to do it quite a few times. So I get to really dig in uh, each of them. And therefore, what is it? They, they come and go a lot more quicker <laughs> uh, than they used to be. But maybe because we used to have quite a stylistic approach. And now because I've done it, the, the, the form, let's say, is here. So they just can... I can see oh, what's Korean like today. And, you know, sometimes it's a little bit more fat and loving and sometimes <laughs> a bit more, you know, sporty and arrogant. Um, but, you know, the, the shows, they are the same. What? With tiny different uh, colors, maybe. But. Or, and then Antigone also. I, I like, for example, at the moment I'm reading this book where there are lots of very brave female young characters in it and I can feel... They're they are like influencing her a bit. It's so lovely mm-hmm. to feel now this invitation of um, um, inviting personalities into the the form again. There is this Mene that's the sister of Antigone, and there is this scene we play right when they are in dialogue, and it's just brilliant to kind of shift so quickly between the two and the same happened between the chorus and crayon like so so one gives a line the other one respond and it's a different physicality a different voice a different uh, tempo so that's like quite technical actually um, and it's also so brilliant you know we've worked so hard together at understanding the mechanism of this so now I've practiced it and I've, I'm doing it and then I can just dig and dig and dig and play and it's endless playground, basically. And uh, um, that sort of play, you know, you've mentioned you've performed it probably maybe about 20 times about already. 20 by now? Yeah. It's not um, so so I'm, that means 20 different contexts almost or 20 different yes. audiences. And so um, I'm curious about like, what does that bring and what um yeah what does what does what's the role of the audience somehow in in these and um in Mm. in in, in the performance how it influences what you're doing and how do audiences sort of respond well we have talked about the fact that we looked for a third perspective which is a chorus and we have um included the audience in this so the audience isn't passively watching this show. And it's quite a challenging show for audiences. You know, it's in the round, it's an hour, everybody can see each other across the mm. circle. Um, so it ask, it's demanding uh, as well as, I'm sure, brilliant for the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, 
yes, it gives plenty of room to feel what's the response every night from each audience uh, as a mass and also individually. And we've been doing this show abroad in like, in, for example, in Mannheim, in a theater that has its audience coming and theater goers. And then literally two days later, we're in Isla. And that was two years and a half. They haven't had a show yet on the island. And we're in a, um, what is it, a secondary school? Yes. Yes. And it's like massive fridge at the background because it's in the <laughs> canteen. <laughs> and and um, people coming and going because the theater etiquette is different. And it's and there are much younger audiences there because it's just what is programmed. So people come that I love, absolutely love that aspect. Um, and it's just so great because the show... I, I, I played, but I don't have the control of what the show is going to be because that element of the audience is a wild card that every night will m decide what the show is that evening. I was thinking about this um, element of physicality and um, how we approach the text, but I also know you've collaborated with Luke Sutherland on the... Um, on making the soundtrack and I also wanted to bring that because I talk about the audience I talk about the text but for me it's also like a duet well the, the, the sound is a massive partner to play with Do yeah you want to tell us more about his process yeah I mean working with Luke was um, was brilliant because we were able to bring him uh, to the studio pretty much from First, first, second week, or quite early, um, yes, quite early, so in, embedded in the process, into in the process, and and he he composes. He doesn't sort of go home and you know and and and, and then come back with with something. He literally responds. He, it's very intuitive. He literally responds to what's happening, and um, he with, through dialogue. Um, we might talk about like what what I think is needed, maybe from from or what I imagine, or um, and he's always able to sort of like almost read uh, read my mind and what and, and what is needed. Um, and what was very special, I suppose, about the the process is that um, because there is such an emphasis on the body um, in this piece, um, Antigone puts her body literally on the line to to defend what she thinks is right. Um, you are putting your body on the line as a performer because you're being watched 360 by an audience in the round. There are no props. There's no, there's nothing, nowhere to hide. Um, and, and there are all of these resonances of uh, other people, other women that have put their bodies on their line. It feels like um, in the history of resistance, uh, People use their body as a, a as as one of the ways in which they'll try and uh, resist. Um, we we talked a lot about Rosa Parks, for example, and the civil movement rights and, and other examples. Um, so the body um, feels like a key part of how we're telling this story. How we why are we telling it um, uh, through dance? And so Luke uh, recorded all of these different sounds in the studio um, that were just literally coming from from our bodies. Um, it could be like the the rubbing of the skin against the a surface. Um, it could be us uh, making sounds with our voices. Um, 
uh, it could be uh, the scratching of, of you know nails against a, 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 a surface, um, your hair, heartbeats, etc. All of it was sort of like he was collecting all of these samples, and then he um, he goes through a process of uh, working with them through um, through different computer programs, and that uh, sort of almost gets stretched and amplified to. Um, to create a soundtrack and so it's really it's a really beautiful although it might not be necessarily obvious to to an audience every sound that you hear during the performance is coming from the body and I think that that feels like it, it, it holds uh, the focus really um, really 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 well and brings it back to the essence of how mm -hmm. we're telling the story we've been talking a lot about um performing and and the work meeting audiences um we're just about to as we record these going to a, a run of performances at the edinburgh fringe um i'm curious to hear like how do you prepare for for performance because it's it's a challenging you said it before it's a challenging uh show it's one hour you don't go you don't leave stage you're holding people's attention for an hour you speak you dance you sing you i can't think of yeah you do many 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 things uh how do you prepare as a performer for for that mm, yes well i've got the discipline of a dancer so maybe uh and maybe the obsession of the <laughs> and the fear that's still gonna be we're never gonna be strong enough but yes there is a lot of um, conditioning, simply going. To my my secret is swimming, and swimming is great in this case because it makes me just strong and stable, but also helps me with the breath work um, that I really need for the voice work we do. And um, I am. I've, we've been working with Metan on another. I think you've done a podcast on Ray mm -hmm. and. So Feldenkrais practice is a great, it's a great friend to have on a show day early in the day, not too close to the show, because it helps me to really keep my channel of awareness open. And also, this show is so much about juggling. Like there are so many different things that happen second by seconds from what I do is the body and with the text and with the audience and with my eyes and it, they are all dissociated and so Feldenkrais is a great practice for that for keeping that freedom basically of dissociation and um, I'm lucky this week to be dancing uh, with Scottish Dance Theatre taking the morning practice that's really great just also for the joy of moving and um, yes I will also would do a voice warm up quite thoroughly before the show <laughs> it kind of takes a, a while like it takes a good three hours or something wow um and in this uh, run at the fringe you're actually we talk we've talked a lot about the performance as a solo which it is but it's also more than a solo because we we've also um had the luck to work with Yvonne Strain, who's a BSL uh, interpreter and performer. And we had worked with Yvonne um, for a few years already. Um, and so when we um, approached uh, the BSL interpretation for Antigone Interrupted, it was clear that it was more than interpretation, that it was integration. So actually Yvonne is with you on stage uh, performing. Um, and uh, yeah, there's this 
almost yeah beautiful um uh, relationship between the two of you um performing uh i wonder how how does it um how does it feel when you when you're so used to performing the piece by yourself to to have a, com a companion or a, a, mm, comp a, a competitor duet. or like how does it feel yeah that's true no she doesn't uh, I, we don't upstage each other or maybe we do <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's great to have everyone in the show. It really changes the show, so it keeps it fresh. It gives us lots of in different information when she's here. Uh, I miss her when she's not. Mm. Um, it's really also um, about... Th the narrative is that she interprets the show, but I feel we also complement mm. each other. She brings something to the show that's like completely unique on the night she's in and, and it's also great because I'm used to seeing let's say 50 or 100 people looking at me and I'm in charge of their focus and when she's doing the show I can see people looking at her and of then course. I'm like look I'm doing the show where are you looking <laughs> <laughs> so that's also great it brings like a, a looseness and something that uh, yeah that I, I don't have control I don't. I'm not even interested in controlling. Mm. So that's also a shift um, when Yvonne is in, and just really great that the performance is accessible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really beautiful to see the again because it's a, such an embodied l form of language to to see that embodied language in the piece or or the piece being performed also in that. Yes. completely embodied language. talking of putting your body on the line like yes you know she really is going for it for the entire hour quite literally yeah um uh, thank you so much len it's amazing to um to hear you talk even if we uh yeah know each other very very well we always kind of find out more things about the work and about and about each other um maybe a, a sort of i suppose a final question um you know, it takes, we've heard about how long it takes you to prepare for this performance, uh, all the sort of like juggling that goes on, the, how complex and and um, layered it is. What, you know, what do you hope people take away or, or you know, what, what's the, what's the why or what's the, um, yeah, when, when you perform, what do, what do you hope? happens or what do you see maybe happening with people mm. yes i've it's such a great word actually to ask me what do i hope because sometimes i do have the agenda or the ambition that this will have a certain impact and, and it doesn't happen and then it's incredibly disappointing and i think that's mm. a, a, a big trap i think audiences are here obviously on their free will and they're mm. here to share an hour together and and of course we've made this show with lots of intention and you hope that this will lend but i cannot be the judge of what that is however <laughs> <laughs> i think this show talks a bit about courage in some way um and courage on all kinds of level um of course through the the character of of antigone but also sitting through the show for an hour, coming back to the theater, you know, we all have been wondering what was going to happen with audiences. And so I hope people come and be like, yeah, it's totally worth it to go to live performances. And um, 
they'll just maybe reignite that appetite for them or that just really feels um, relevant. Amen to that. That sounds like a, <laughs> like a really brilliant um, hope and, and, and wish, um, which I completely share. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and to share your thoughts with our listeners and uh, thank you of course to you all uh, our listeners for uh, connecting and hearing about Antigone Interrupted uh, there will be more uh, performances of Antigone during this uh, year and coming years uh, so please stay tuned uh, and also for the next episodes of Rep Sounds uh, the podcast series from Dundee Rep and Scottish Dance Theatre until the next time thank you very much and goodbye thank you Joanne Thank <laughs> you.